This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. Today's case, Bud Hopkins Alien abductions, and we're talking about the late, great Bud Hopkins, a now uh, deceased UFO investigator, and some of the UF abductions and UFO cases that he looked at. I found an interesting article actually listed on PBS.org from Nova talking about that. It's a short read, but I think it'll be a fun thing to look at for the weekend. And before we get into that, I want to go ahead and just take a look at uh, the Bud Hopkins bio on Wikipedia. It says Elliot Bud Hopkins, born June 15th, 1931, died August 21st, 2011. It says he was an American artist, author, and UFOlogist. He was a prominent figure in the alien abduction phenomena and related UFO research. It goes on to say that he was born in Wheeling, West Virginia, June 15, 1931, and died August 21, 2011, in New York, New York. Went to school at Oberlin College. Uh, his occupation was artist, author, UFO, ufologist, and organization of Intruders Foundation. Looks like his first spouse preceded him in death. His second and third spouse also preceded him in death. And then it has a nice little write-up here about about uh, Mr. Hopkins, but I want to go ahead and get into, um, first off, the, the article that I found here on NPR.org. The first case, we'll take a couple looks at, but I want to, because I've done a podcast on the first one once already, it's called a Manhattan Transfer, I think is what the title was, and it was about a lady that was uh, actually abducted and levitated out of her apartment window into a UFO. And we'll get right into that. Now, the article here is, like I said, uh, from PBS.org. I have a link posted at the Twitter account, UFO Warning. Of course, you can get there by just going to the Twitter account, UFO Warning, or at Warning Sub UFO. And while you're there, do a follow. It says, uh, excerpts from interview with Bud Hopkins, his cases, people who believe they have been abducted by aliens, and then it starts off, it says, the Linda Case file. That is the Linda Case abduction file. It says here, Hopkins, the best case, says, the, this is him speaking, the best case that I had ever worked with, and it's extraordinarily important, and it's the subject of the book that I'm working on right now. It involves a woman who was abducted, who I had worked with, before this experience, she was abducted from a 12th floor apartment in Manhattan, floated out the window, and in this case, the UFO occupants wanted this to be seen for various complicated reasons. So therefore, it was not masked or hidden or whatnot. Even though it was 3 in the morning, this woman was witnessed floating with three aliens below the UFO 12 stories up by a number of different people who I have heard from. One of the people who I interviewed at great length described her absolute terror when they saw this sight from the Brooklyn Bridge. Her first attempt to explain it to herself, 
this can't happen was somebody must be making a movie. This must be a movie because this is impossible. And yet I'm looking at it. There were other people on the bridge too, also terrified. There are people floating in the air, as they described it. And that's exactly how she claimed that it happened. She was just levitated out of her bedroom window on the 12th floor somehow. And the next thing she knows, she's looking down and, you know, 150 feet below her, there's the streets, the sidewalks, and the city of New York below her as she's levitated and more or less just almost like she's vacuumed up into this UFO. It says, people on the ground contacted me. They still have not wanted their names used. They're, they've not wanted to talk to me personally for various reasons, but described exactly the same thing. I've got matching sets of drawings of what everyone saw from their own perspectives. So you see what you have here is the investigator has multiple witnesses seeing the same thing at the same time. He goes on and says, Another woman who I've dealt with at length saw the UFO right next to the building from which this woman was floated out. She said it was enormous, and at that point, somehow her car stopped, and their memories are very unclear from that point on. As if, somehow or other, as often happens in these cases, there was some kind of effect, electromagnetic effect or whatever, we don't know what to call it, which stopped the car. And their memories only went up to the point of seeing this UFO directly next to the building before the people floated out. It's almost like this UFO was an opportunity employer. It just decided to slide right over top of this building, reach in, and grab a couple of unsuspecting uh, abductees. He says, I have another witness at another location. Here we have eyewitnesses to people doing an impossible thing, floating 12 stories up in a beam of light. There's much, much other testimony connected with this, some of which I'm not at liberty to present right now. Now, you know that whole beam of light thing. That's something that many of us have experienced uh, with encounters with UFOs, UFO sightings. It's just this brilliant light. It's almost like an encompassing light that just comes down. And uh, it's, it's as if there's no shadows to it. And it seems like this is what's going on here with this woman. She's just being levitated up toward, lifted up to the uh, UFO. And it's almost like, in this case, this light is some kind of a tractor beam, maybe goes on here, it says, Bud Hopkins' first case. Hopkins says, When I had looked into the very first case that I investigated, which was back in 1975, having to do with the landing that was observed by a man I knew in New Jersey, the little figures getting out, digging oil samples, etc., and I checked into the apartment building that faced this park where the landing took place. It took me weeks to try to run down a man who was, who was probably the night doorman at the time of this landing case. And when I finally got to him on the phone, and I asked a very loaded question, do you remember anything unusual happening in the park around January of this year? And the man said to me, I certainly do. I'll never forget it. This UFO came down and landed in the park and scared me half to death. And as he started to describe it, I started to get chills because something in me, even at that date, after I had a sighting years before, did not want to accept that this could have really, really happened. That's very, that's really uh, insightful there. You see this guy, this seasoned investigator, looking back and seeing the moment where he had this epiphany. 
that these things are real and that they're presenting themselves to people. Didn't know what they are, but they're certainly there. And I like the fact that how he gets a hold of this guy months later, and the gentleman is just matter of fact about what happened. You know, classic uh, eyewitness account. Yeah, of course I remember that. It goes on. It says a letter to Bud Hop to Bud Hopkins, and here it says Hopkins. He says, "Here's a letter, a woman writing about her child. She was so concerned. Her daughter is three years old. When she was putting her daughter to bed, the little girl cried and cried and said." I want to hide. And the woman asked why. And she said, I'm hiding because the little people are coming to get me. This really frightened the mother. And she asked, what happened with the little people? The mother wrote, she told me they come into her room, take her outside, that they have big eyes, and that she went up into the sky with the man. I asked, what happened up there? And she said, they took me to see the doctor. The next day, she saw a television program. Her mother was sitting there a cover of a book about abductions with the face of an alien. The little girl jumped to her knees, pointing at the TV, shouting, That's them, Mommy, the people. She covered her eyes and said, I'm scared, Mommy. I've never seen such fear in the cold before. Within that same week, she drew many faces with only very large dark eyes. I also noticed at that time, while undressing her, three tiny raised pin-like marks near her navel, and the same under her left nostril. That same day, she also had a pretty bad nosebleed. This is something we've heard over and over again with these uh, alien implant cases where um, these aliens, greys or whatever they are, taking people, uh, injecting some kind of a device into their navel to maybe uh, do, do some sort of a medical experiment or maybe they're just observing how the human body works. But oftentimes we find implants implanted into the navel area or the nasal area. Now when you hear about these cases, I have to tell you that my whole thought about Space Brothers disappears. I see these things as space monsters. To abduct a child like this and terrorize them, literally. To just take them on board a spaceship and conduct uh, whatever kind of medical uh, experiments they chose to, as if this little kid was, was just a specimen for them to play with. This takes me back to the, was it the Berkshires case, where the one of the women had talked about being abducted onto the ship and seeing children on the ship. That's a pretty scary thought to think that children could be, could be being abducted by these things and maybe kept there, you know, for some time, whether they're doing some sort of DNA research or whatever. These are all very disturbing um, scenarios to play through our mind. But it also makes sense in a way because it would explain why uh, our own government, our own deep state, is so reluctant to share what they know about these things. Perhaps they know what's going on and they know how upset people would be if they actually had to come to terms with the idea that people were being randomly abducted by aliens and having uh, painful medical experiments uh, done to them. They were just being processed like a lab animal. It goes on and says this uh, This also occurred every now and then. This is talking about the nosebleeds. And she mentions other things such as, they take my jammies off, they hurt me, etc. That almost sounds like some sort of physical abuse. I mean, you're taking a kid onto a spaceship and undressing them. Listen, these things are serious crimes in our society. It doesn't make it okay if 
these entities are from some other place or some other dimension. That doesn't give them the right to take a child and physically abuse it without its consent, not that a child could give consent. So this is a very dark side to this whole phenomenon that a lot of people like to ignore or gloss over. You know, adults can be abducted and come back and say, well, I think it was probably, you know, no bad intention, yada, yada, yada. But to abduct a child, to terrorize them with these experiments on board a spaceship, and then send them back actually physically injured, their, their intention doesn't matter because what they're doing is a crime, number one. And number two, this is not the sort of thing that anybody wants to have happen to them or their child. It goes on here and says, There's no way that one can read these letters. Oh, excuse me, I need to back up a little bit. Since this all occurred, every now and then she mentions other things such as, They take my jammies off. They hurt me, etc. I realize you receive many letters of this kind, some of which are funny, but believe me, this is not made up. If this is all really happening to my little girl, please give me some advice as to how to help her deal with these visitations. I know you're a very busy man, but please, perhaps a short response to my letter may ease my anxiety a little, Mr. Hopkins. Could this really be true? Thank you sincerely. And it says there's no way that one can read these letters without responding, and the idea that something like that is made up by a publicity seeker or whatever skeptics like to say is just absolutely absurd. I have worked with some of these people afterwards, referred them to investigators, and I think we brought some relief for them in helping them explore what really happened to them in their lives. Now, I'm going to try to find this investigator down the road, but there is um, a fellow out there that works with abductees, and his... Uh, view of this is that these things are demonic and he's had cases with people that have been repeatedly abducted against their will and they take more of a uh, I guess you would call it a religious approach where they actually use uh, the name of Jesus to uh, rebuke these things as if it was uh, an exorcism almost and he says that they've had great success it's hard to argue that these things aren't evil when they're abducting children taking their clothes off and doing uh, invasive, hurtful uh, medical procedures on them. So it's it's a very strange situation. A typical case, here it says, Hopkins, I was working with a man who once was a lieutenant in the army at the time of the incident. Big, tall man, Irish man, pretty macho. Had a young wife and a little baby, and he told me that he was taken into the craft, put on the table, paralyzed, terrified couldn't move he resolved that when he was he resolved that when he was going to get off the table he was going to make a break for it and where and wherever however he thought that was going to work and he said he was lifted up after this physical examination which was humiliating when well, I tell you it must have been sexual in nature and that is about as strange as these cattle mutilations. There is some level, some baseline level of evilness around these abduction stories, just like there is around the cattle mutilation stories. It's very odd. And he said he was lifted up after this physical examination, which was humi which was humiliating. So either it was some sort of invasive uh, procedure where he felt helpless, perhaps, 
And perhaps it was one of these things where they were extracting DNA from him. But he says it was humiliating. His feet went down to the floor and he said, Bud, I just stood there. I didn't move. I didn't do anything. I just couldn't do anything. And this little figure came along and these long gray fingers reached out and took my wrist. And he said he just gently took me by the wrist and I went with him. And he said, you know, I was the giant in that room but I was the baby. And it was so difficult for this man, with all his military training and his Irish background and his youth, to admit that he could be that easily manipulated and moved. And if you think of that as an example of what might lie ahead for society in a certain sense, it's a pretty grim future. But you see, you see this dichotomy between uh, the physical and the spiritual, or maybe the physical and the alternate reality, whatever, these things aren't operating, I mean, they're operating above a physical level. They're able to take this big guy and completely dominate his free will. That's what it seems like. Now, whether that's through some kind of a drug or a mind control or whatever, it shows you the, the attitude. Not a healthy one, in my opinion. Hopkins, in another case, this is a Long Island case, Hopkins, Hopkins in another case on Long Island, a woman who I have worked with had remembered walking up, had remembered, excuse me, waking up, and there was a range of physical phenomena which she described. I think she was paralyzed at one point. Her son, her son in the morning had described these figures coming into the room. He was enormously terrified. The woman remembered walking downstairs in the middle of the night, and she doesn't remember coming back up. She found herself in bed. There was a lot of confusion, but in the middle of all of this, the neighbors called to say, what is that thing in your yard with all the lights on it? So you have witnesses who happen to look out the windows and see the UFO on this person's property. Well, you have cases like this again and again and again. And either this happened the way, the way it happened, or again, you have some kind of elaborate collective hoax, including people's children. There's no motive for this. I think the evidence is just again and again totally persuasive. This, These cases uh, never blow up in your face and suddenly, oh, we found out that so-and-so and we, and they were a crook and they were doing this or, you, or and that, and it doesn't happen. The material withstands all kinds of scrutiny and as a matter of fact, the more you look at it, the more evidence comes together to support them. Well, these things happen to ordinary <clears throat> To ordinary people, you know, I was just talking to a, uh, a relative of mine a few weeks ago, and he was recounting a story from an old fellow who's deceased now about how they just got into talking about the subject. He said the guy was just a really kind of a roughneck, an old, an old outdoorsman, uh, a tough guy, and he described how a flying saucer with windows around the edge had literally landed. Uh, in the pasture or backyard outside his house, and he looked out and he could see creatures walking around inside of it. And, you know, he said, I asked him if they were green. He said, I couldn't tell, but I know what I saw. You can believe me or not believe me. Now, these are the sort of things, those kind of people uh, don't go around talking about that stuff until maybe you really prod them into it. And the kind of people that Bud Hopkins is describing here, for the most part at least, don't seem to be the kind of people that would just make up an alien abduction story, especially about their kids. So it seems to me at least that these things are happening. 
I mean, a lot of us um, have either seen uh, UFOs, a lot of people have seen UFOs up close, and then some people have actually, I think, have seen these creatures, whatever they are. And a few unlucky people have been abducted. I think I'd pass on that as long as I could. Now, if you, I'm going to close off here, but if you go to the Twitter account, I did post that one uh, uh, article on the Manhattan transfer, the gal that was abducted out of her 12th floor apartment in Manhattan. And you can go back, and the podcast was probably, it's an old one, probably a year or a year and a half ago. And I think it was called Manhattan Transfer, and you can listen to that if you like. But Bud Hopkins was a really, I found him to be a sincere and uh, genuine uh, UFO investigator. And I think it's important to remember some of these old guys, because they did a lot of groundwork for us. And they recorded a lot of stuff that happened. And they left us with a lot of good data. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.